Who have been some of these statistical surprises for the Minnesota Wild so far this season? Which players have uh, needed to step up their performance? And what do the Wild need to do to fix the middle of their lineup? We'll discuss all that and more on today's episode of Locked on Wild. You're locked on Wild. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Wild. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, this is Brandon Duham, and this is Locked On Wild. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Wild, your daily Minnesota Wild podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Wild your first listen each and every day. Make sure that you join Lockdown Wild Nation, if you have not already, by subscribing on YouTube and your favorite podcast platforms so you don't miss out on any full episodes, pregame content, postgame content, during game content. It's all coming at you, so subscribe wherever you can so you don't miss out. Today's episode of Lockdown Wild is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. On today's episode of Locked On Wild, Brett Marshall of Sound the Foghorn joins us to discuss the stats through six games for the Minnesota Wild. We'll look at the good, we'll look at the bad, and uh, we'll try to kind of piece together what the wild should do to uh, fix some portions of their lineup as well. My name is Seth Topol, your daily Minnesota wild insider. And as mentioned, making his long awaited return to the lockdown wild airwaves is Brett Marshall of sound the foghorn. Brett, gra- uh, glad to have you back. It has been an interesting start for the uh, Minnesota wilds. And there's a ton going on. And so I just got to say right off the top of the uh, show, so much appreciate the stat dumps that you do, as well as the uh, the player cards, because we've seen some things so far this wild season. And uh, there's a lot to digest. Yeah, the stat dumps are just kind of a spur of the moment thing. Um, for those that play fantasy football, you've maybe heard of J.J. Zacharyson um, at Late Round QB on Twitter. He does one uh, for for it's not necessarily fantasy football related, but just a football stat dump based on everything that happened in a week, um, every night before Sunday night football. And, you know, I thought, Hey, that'd be really cool to do for the wilds. I have, I have no idea what those stats are going to be, but, um, you know, there's been times, you know, I am coming through the player cards and it's like, Hey, this isn't really like the fact that so-and-so, you know, played this many minutes isn't really significant to the game, but it's a fun fact for people to know. So, you know, just kind of got no habit of, you know, might be three or four players with, you know, an interesting stat, you know, either of that night, cumulative to that point in the season, a couple of fun facts on the team, you know, where they're at, you know, league wide and um, seems to be well received. So I'm going to keep doing it. Um, but, you know, it's always interesting to see, you know, w- what's happening and stats are, are a good way to figure that out beyond, you know, the eye test. Yeah, it's it's a nice compliment to what we see out there on the ice. And uh, we've seen, some very interesting things uh, throughout the uh, first part of the Minnesota Wild season. And the the first one, I think, that surprised me the most that you uh, mentioned in your most recent is that the Minnesota Wild, after all the struggles they've had over the uh, last year, scoring five-on-five five goals, they're actually second in the NHL right now in five-on-five five goals. So while 
the defense has had trouble stopping scoring. Uh, the offense certainly has been able to keep up uh, their side of the bargain with uh, with scoring at even strength, which has been a, a big problem for this team over the last few years. Yeah, it's been really weird. And I honestly, it, I just I was just curious because I, I knew the goals against was bad. And I was like, ah, I'm going to check goals for two. And I was like, oh, wow, they're that high. Um, actually, now we did get passed by Vegas last night. And then I think L.A. their last night, too. Um, by one goal, so now sitting at you know tied for or yeah tied for third technically or fourth, however you want to word it, but still like for a team that could not buy five v five offense last year, um, I think I actually be able to pull what they were at. I, I want to say it was like twenty ninth, like it was very low. In yeah, they were twenty eighth in five v five scoring Oof. last year at one hundred and forty four total, and they have already seventeen through. The first six games, like a complete turnaround uh, from last year in the five v five scoring department. You know, a lot of that at the hands of you know the, a big offensive explosion last night. Uh, you know, six of those seventeen, I think, or was it? Yeah, I think six of those would be considered. Well, it might have been five because they had a four on four and an empty net. So five of those come last night. But um, you know, it's been refreshing to see. You know, it's it's maybe always not the prettiest goals, but you know, I think we've seen goals from every line in one way or another. Um, coming through and that's without some big names in the lineup, you know, guys that typically are the ones driving the bus five on five, like Boldy, like Spurgeon, those type of players. So uh, yeah, it's been, you know, if, if there's a pleasant surprise on, on the good side, I think it's definitely been uh, the five V five offense here so far to start the year. We'll talk about the, uh, the defense and uh, the goalies here in a little bit, but just going through some of the other surprises. Um, I, another player that really has surprised me with what he's brought. And so I'm curious as to kind of, if, the the analytics have backed what we've seen has been Pat Maroon, who through the first six games of the season, he's been active offensively. He's playing now second line uh, with Jewel Eriksson and uh, with Marcus Johansson. And he's fitting in just fine uh, in that grouping. I know it's temporary until Matt Boldy's able to return, but what have we seen from uh, Pat Maroon so far? And uh, I, I don't think anybody really expected at him to perform at this level when he was uh, traded here. Yeah, this is definitely a situation where the the results are definitely better than you know what they probably should be based on his analytics. Uh, his expected goals at five on five is sitting at a thirty six point seven percent, which isn't great. But I think there was like one or two games that really sunk it. Um, the LA game pretty much tanked everyone's when they were just absolutely demolished at five on five. Um, so that's the one problem when you have a six game sample size is you get, you can get big outliers like that. It probably takes 15, 20 games for some of those outliers to get balanced out. Um, so then you have a flip side, like last night where the Capri soft line, I think had something like an 84% expected goal share after being sitting on like 40% for most of the season. So a lot of, you know, but I, I do agree. I think this is one where the eye test can just kind of pan out, right? You know, you hit on it there. He's just, he's looked, he's looked engaged. You know, the physical presence has been there. Um, but the thing I like about him is, you know, I think there was this, maybe this notion that he's maybe more of this enforcer type, but I really think he fits more into that mold of a power forward. Will he stick up for a teammate for sure? But he's a guy that's going to go in there, put his nose down. He'll play physical down low. We've seen some slick little passing plays some little stick handles here and there, you know, for a guy that's not basically on a veteran minimum contract that, you know, you have the ability to play on your fourth line has in a pinch moved up and played in your second line. Obviously he's not going to stay there. For the whole year, but you know, to have that versatility, um, I got that can go out there, be that presence. Um, it's been a really nice surprise, and he's you know got four points in his last three games. 
Um, not much more you can ask for a guy that, you know, was, was brought in just to kind of be more of a presence, but to, to deliver on ace results on top of it too, is, is always nice. Yeah, most definitely. Now I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit through these first six games. Who has surprised you either positively or negatively from a statistical standpoint, the most, um, I, I'm sure a strong contender is Freddie Goudreau, who was uh, was banged up and will not be making the trip to uh, to the East Coast for the uh, upcoming three-game road trip. But is there anybody that has really jumped out, either good or bad, through these first six games? Yeah, well, let's start bad, and then we'll move to the good. I think, sure. like you said, the obvious one, I think, is Freddie Goudreau. And with the news today, maybe some of this makes a little more sense um, that he was maybe playing through an injury. But yeah, he has definitely not looked great to start the year. Um, 37.9% expected goal share at 5v5, one of 11 players in NHL um, as of last night who had played over 89 minutes at 5-on-5 and had yet to register a point. Um, And the players that were in that bucket are like guys you probably wouldn't expect to be putting up points. Yeah. you know, for a guy that, you know, sees a little bit of time in the power play, sees time in the penalty kill, um, has been getting decent 5v5 uh, ice time to point with 63 minutes at 5 on 5. Kind of anything to show for that's a little bit concerning. Um, it's hard to really pinpoint what exactly it's been um, without, you know, really diving into tape, which unfortunately I don't really have access to do or, or, or the time to go and watch every single Freddie Goudreau shift. Um, but just from like some observations from last night, you know, there was a, there was a play I know that there were um, Edmonton was kind of trying to take it out of the zone. Freddie makes a good read as a puck coming up the wing. And instead of kind of engaging physically, he kind of goes for a poke check and the guy just steps around him where if Freddie goes through him there, maybe you create more zone time. But if he's playing with an upper body injury, maybe that leads to some of that timidness. Um, and then I forget who I you know brought this up on Twitter, but it was something I was considering as well as is, is maybe how is he handling that transition to playing wing, right? Last year, playing down the middle center, those responsibilities are very different. Um, playing wing in my mind should be easier for a guy like Freddie, who, who has that defensive acumen, who can be a little more active in the offensive zone. I mean, we've seen he's got good hands. He can shoot, he can score, he can pass, but it's a lot of that stuff hasn't been there. Um, I am wondering if it is because of this, in this upper body injury, we'll see how long he, he stays out. But obviously the fact that they, he did not come on the trip, um, not necessarily a great sign and, and Kyra being recalled, but, uh, he's been the most glaring one too. And I think, you know, coming off off the the five year extension on top of that too is is a little worrisome. You know, the AAV is not bad, but um, yeah, not not the you know third line guy getting off to this poor of a start is, is not ideal. And um, you know, if not for Marco Rossi, kind of maybe holding down some of the viability on that third line, um, you know, which is a bummer too because I thought that line the first two games looked really really good. I thought they're the Wild's best line, and then ever since that hit from Reeves, they you know I, I think that the tailing off of that line has coincided w- w- with Freddie. I mean, being hurt and playing through that injury. Let's um, let's dive into the uh, the lineup, because obviously we were waiting to see the uh, the top line get back to form. They did. And uh, we've still been waiting for some consistent performances, uh, although, as you alluded to, uh, the injury to Freddie Goudreau certainly impacting the third line. We're just going to take a look at uh, at the lineup and see if there are any different combinations that should be tried, whether it be in the near term or longer term uh, when Matt Boldy comes back and uh, we do some lineup juggling anyway. So we'll talk about the uh, the lineup as we continue today's episode of Locked on Wild after this. As a business owner, you realize there are times when receivables might fall behind, but that doesn't mean you need to fall behind on vendor payments, payroll or rent. 
For more than 25 years, Parkview Advance has helped businesses secure working capital from $5,000 to $1.5 million. Parkview Advance can approve your working capital in as little as 24 hours. It's a much easier process than you might imagine. We invite the many entrepreneurs that are locked on NHL fans to learn more by calling us at 203-675-0071 or go to parkviewadvance.com. If your business needs working capital, call Parkview Advance today. Parkview Advance, helping businesses with their working capital. Go to parkviewadvance.com. Today's episode of Locked on Wild also brought to you by Jace Medical. And there is a lot of uncertainty in the world today, and it is important to be prepared. Whether it be unrest in the Middle East, hurricanes in Florida, earthquakes across the country, and more, these issues can lead to supply chain shortages for medication or the inability to get medications in a timely manner. In steps the Jace case. The Jace case is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections. You can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your unique needs. If you aren't sure which uh, personalized medications are best for members of your family, you can get them gift cards and let them choose for themselves. Either way, go to jacemedical.com and enter code LOCKEDON at checkout for a $20 discount on your order. Again, go to jacemedical.com, enter code LOCKEDON at checkout for $20 off your order. That's promo code LOCKEDON at jasemedical.com. Welcome back to today's episode of Lockdown Wild. Once again, we thank you for making Lockdown Wild your first listen each and every day. Uh, for the everydayers, make sure that you check out our pregame preview for today's game against the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, that, that'll be coming at you a little bit later here today. So make sure that you get all the intel on the Flyers who are off to a surprising start so far this season. And uh, we'll tell you about uh, former wild forward Nick Delorier as well. <laughs> Brett Marshall joins us here from Sound the Foghorn. And Brett, as we mentioned first line starting to kind of get back into form we obviously expect that Matt Boldy when he returns is going to slot in on the second line with Jewel Erickson Eck and Marcus Johansson so what do we see from that third or fourth line are there any additional uh, combinations that could be tried to kind of jog that third line or or is it just a matter of waiting until those guys start to get things going you know, it's it's hard to say, and I I think the one thing I've always kind of felt, and it was partially was based on just kind of the fall off and play last year, but for me, it's a swap of Brandon Duhame and Marcus Foligno to get a little more speed skill uh, with a guy like Rossi, with a guy like Duh- um, you know, with a guy like Goudreau. Um, right now, maybe that swap is Goudreau for Duhame, but I think just adding some other element, um, you know, Rossi, you know, for a guy that's you know renowned as a playmaker, he he leads the team in five v five shots on goal. His two points on the year are both goals. Um, you know, maybe not we expected to have it. You know, his, his two points through six games being being goals, but it might be because he's the one that has to be shooting the puck. Um, we've seen Marcus Foligno be a uh, a king of shooting percentage that regressed last year. Hasn't necessarily bounced back this year, although he has had some good looks at times. Um, and I think Foligno's looked much more like his old self for these you know first handful of games. Obviously, last year battling for injury appears to be much healthier now. A little more of that moose that we that we know and love. Um, but will they ever move Moose down? I don't know. And obviously Freddie is, you know, Dean's favorite player. So does he really demote him to the fourth line? 
especially on the heels of a, of a five-year contract extension. Hard to say, um, especially for a guy who just got a one-year extension in Duhame, who probably is out the door next year, unfortunately, for as much as I've tried to ho- hope they would keep him. It doesn't seem like the, the trend is heading that way. But, um, you know, prior to last night's game, I would have said you got to shake up the first line in one way or another. And I think, you know, if they wanted to, re- you know, maybe create some balance in the top three, um, Maybe you do look to elevate a Marco Rossi and a Ryan Hartman's role. You put Hartman with, you know, Felino and maybe a, a Pat Maroon or a Brandon Duhame for a little bit of, you know, physical pound you down low type of physical line. And then, um, you know, you get maybe on the wing on your first line. If you get a full shakeup, you throw Johansson on there. A guy really good in transition, good at entering the zone. Get the puck in the zone for guys like Kaprizov, Rossi to be creative with the puck, get chances on net. Gets you a really strong second line with Boldy and Ek, who when those turn on the ice together, the puck just seems it seems to be in the offensive zone. Um, and that's, you know, an area of the ice where Matt Zuccarello really thrives, right? Maybe not the most stout defensively, maybe not the fleetest of foot anymore or best in transition, but that guy in the offensive zone can make passes. I mean, we saw him last night letting him make a soccer pass right on Ryan Hartman's tape. He has that creativity, that vision. So, you know, those are some things that I think could be tried. Um, but I think you look at what that top line did last night and you hope that they can build on that now. Right. Um, and you know, th- that boldly Johansson Eckline was so good to finish the end of the year last year. There's no point in breaking that up for now. Um, so really it's, you know, it, it very much feels like Kevin Fiala on the, you know, all over again, or Matt Boldy all over again with a really skilled player, just seemingly on an Island without line mates. And, you know, I don't think, you know, we, Sammy Walker didn't really do much to impress, um, you know, you can't really call up anybody else. Um, I liked what I saw out of Vinny Letary last night, the speed and skill that he showed. Um, maybe he's a guy that can get things going, but unless an injury comes, you know, he's probably not a, a long-term stay on, on the line. So they're dealing with the hand that they're dealt. And I think when you have what's working, it just, you know, you just kind of hope your third line can chip in a goal here and there. And that's kind of the way it's going to be. Yeah, the power play is going to be interesting too, because I don't know if I, just realized how good Marcus Johansson actually is at zone entries until seeing him on that top power play unit being able to just, I mean, he just glides through four, four defenders. Like it's nothing. And so obviously Matt Boldy's one of your better players. And it's likely that he will go back to that top power play spot um, when he's ready to return. But Marcus Johansson has, the ability to really impact special teams, I think, whether it be on that top unit or getting opportunities as one of the the top guys in that second power play unit. Yeah, I think you almost saw last year in the playoffs, there was like, they had a, a literal set play where it would go up to the wing at the red line and they would, Marcus Johansson would kind of come from behind the net and they would just hit him at the top of the circle, skating full speed, and he would just enter the zone. And then granted, the in-net power play couldn't score after that, but the zone entries were there. Um, and I think that's such an underrated part of the game is having a guy who can possess the puck into the zone, not turn it over, get things set up. Um, Jason King was brought in to fix this power play. And, you know, as you alluded to, you know, with Kaprizov, Erickson, Eck, Boldy, um, and Zuccarello, like there probably isn't a spot and they're probably not going to go five forwards. Um, because if, if Kalen Addison's not here to play on your first power play unit, what is he here to do? Um, maybe more on him in a little bit. Um, cause I think he's been sneaky good this year. Um, and no one's talking about it, but um, yeah, but I think, you know, if you can have a guy like that, that can kind of lead your second in with a skill guy like Rossi, I think the key is just finding, you know, what other elements, you know, obviously Spurgeon coming back could really help with that. But you know, right now it's, you know, noted offensive defenseman Jonas Brodeen, you know, working that blue line. And I think it's been mixes of like Marcus Foligno, Freddie Goudreau, Ryan Hartman. Like it's just kind of the, this, this grab bag of 
you know, other forwards who might be able to do something. So, um, you know, I, I think a healthy lineup hopefully improves that second power play as well. Yeah, it's not the other guys featuring Mark Wahlberg and Will Farrell. It's the other guys featuring Marcus Foligno, Ryan Hartman, and others on that second power play unit. Yeah. So we'll see. But yes, as you alluded to, we are going to talk about the uh, the wild defense, which has been the big problem to start the season. We'll look at who is causing said problems and uh, what the wild can do about it as we finish today's episode of Locked on Wild after this. With the NHL season in full swing, it is Daily Fantasy Hockey Time, and the official Daily Fantasy app of Locked on NHL is Sleeper. Sleeper is the number one choice for Daily Fantasy sports, especially Daily Fantasy hockey, because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in Daily Fantasy hockey contests. All you have to do is set your lineup with who you think is going to either beat or not beat their projections in areas such as goals, assists, saves, plus, minus, or more in a single game. The best part about Sleeper is you can set your lineup in under 60 seconds. To win 100 times on Sleeper, you need to correctly predict the outcome of eight player stats. You heard me, Wild fans. You can win 100 times your money playing daily fantasy hockey with Sleeper. So start paying attention and nail your picks so you can start winning big. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL and you'll get a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code LOCKEDONNHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details and locational availability. Final segment of today's episode of Locked on Wilds. Once again, we thank you for making Locked on Wilds your first listen each and every day. If you haven't already, make sure to give Brett a follow on X. Uh, tons of uh, different things throughout the course of the week during games. The uh, the player cards, which are, uh, I'll say it, if I've said it once, I'll say it a thousand times. Absolutely just essential for somebody who's not super statistically inclined like myself. But uh, it just, it makes everything just so easy to di- digest from, uh, from game to game. And so uh, for listeners who haven't yet, make sure you give Brett a follow an essential resource for the rest of the Minnesota wild season. Um, Brett, let's talk about the D because it's been a little bit of a problem so far this season. And obviously with Jared Spurgeon out of the lineup, there was an expectation that it was going to be hard to fill his shoes, but I don't think anybody anticipated that it would be as eye opening as it was. And it's funny because the wild had this happen last year. They shorted up, but, so far this season, it's it's almost looking worse than it did last year. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think people, you know, the the uh, the trade Spurgeon crowd, the strip to see crowd, the uh, whatever was the negative things that were said about Jared Spurgeon, those folks have been uh, awfully, awfully quiet um, because, you know, did he struggle in the postseason last year? Absolutely. Um, but uh, gosh, who was it? Um, I think I think it was actually Billy Guerin uh, on a Russo podcast basically said, like, if you're in the league as long as Jared Spurgeon is, you're going to have a bad postseason. Every it happens to every single player. Um, and, you know, it's more of the outlier than the norm. Right. Um, and you, I mean, Jared Spurgeon, I mean, he is so important to this blue line, the way he can play in transition, the way he compliments whoever his D partner is. I mean, Jake Middleton has missed him so badly. I mean, Middleton has been absolutely annihilated at five on five 
finally had a, a little bit of a bounce back last night, probably a little bit of weight off of his shoulder, but um, 11 goals against 30 this season at five on five, you know, there was a stretch last year, I think from, I want to say it was like late February to like late March where him and Spurgeon were not on the ice for a five V five goal against, I think it was for something like 18 games. And I don't think, you know, as, and I think it's just because they complement each other so well. Um, and now it's been, we've seen just rotating partners. Um, you and I talked about this before we jumped on. Uh, Brock Faber leads this team in ice time um, through the first six games by six minutes over Jonas Brodeen. Like the, the defense is so dire that they are leaning on a rookie with very little NHL experience to to munch minutes. Um, you know, the ideal situations, you can keep him and Brodeen together. Last night they were, you know, were the numbers great? No, but they did their job and they, they, they held the dry side of line in check, which opened up the ice for that Caprice off line to go out and spend their whole shift of every shift in the offensive zone. Um, so I think that's one area where, you know, analytically a little bit lost because did their numbers look great last night? No, but you look at what they opened up by taking on that tough matchup where now if you can get Spurgeon back, now you have two pairs that can do that. And maybe you can take a little bit of the weight off, get those guys out there in a little bit more different situations. But, um, you know, I don't think it's a surprise that, you know, Alex Goligoski, John Merrill, and uh, Dakota Mermis aren't Jer- Jonas Spurgeon or Jonas Jared Spurgeon. Um, <laughs> you know, shocking, I know, but yeah, I mean, he's the guy they miss so bad. Um, just his his ability in all three zones is is so overlooked, and yeah, they've been hurting without him, and it's it's created some problems defensively. And um, you know, the, the news today they want an LTIR and is out for at least four more games. Certainly not uh, uh, good news. Yeah, it's it's deflating uh, to say the least because, like you alluded to, he just does so much and and helps get the entire rest of the defense in position. I am curious because you you did tease a very good tease before the break about Kalen Addison, who has uh, has improved his play here this year, and I think there might be something to do with the fact that he has not been playing with John Merrill recently. Uh, that yeah, can certainly amazing. help out. It's like in that the, regard, yeah, it's like you take the dead weight off and let the kid do what he does, and he, <laughs> he can succeed. I mean, the numbers across the board for him are great. I mean, on a team that can't seemingly get any get anything going at five on five, Addison has been a very, very lone bright spot. Uh, the only defenseman with a Corsi percentage over fifty percent, sitting at fifty four percent. The only defenseman sitting at a, 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 a plus fifty percent or above expected goal share, nearly sixty percent on the season in eighty one minutes of five v five ice time. Uh, outscoring opponents six to five when he's on the ice, that's on 2.76 expected goals against. So, you know, three of those goals are two of those goals, arguably some bad goaltending. They're leaning in high danger chances, scoring chances like, and this isn't coming. I, I, I uh, natural stature got some great data on where, where the shifts start, whether that's offensive zone, defensive zone, the deployments for him is very s- similar. He has 10 offensive zone starts, 11 defensive zone starts. Um, 17 in the neutral zone face-offs pretty much the same across the board. Like this isn't because he's just being sheltered, being deployed in the offensive zone. Kalen Addison has improved, I think too. And I mentioned to someone we were talking about Addison on X or Twitter, whatever I want to call it last night. And I said, he hasn't been noticeable in the defensive zone. And I think that's a good thing, right? Like he's not making these, you know, there was a pretty bad turnover, I think to start the game last night but those are going to happen every now and again. But the fact that, you know, we're seeing him play a little tougher, make the smarter play. He is one of the few defensemen that the Wild have left in the roster that is able to push pace up the ice, get that first breakout pass going. He's mobile. Um, And like it or not, he's been shooting the puck a ton. Have it, has it been the smartest decisions to shoot? No, 
But for a team who for its whole history has been notorious for overpassing, seeing a guy just wind up and take shots, fuck it, dude. Like, do it every now and again, right? Yeah, well, and, and you want to, especially with young players, you want to see that confidence. Like, that's been one of the good things with Rossi so far. That's been one of the good things with uh, with Brock Faber and with Addison is you're seeing the confidence that those guys have that if they have the puck and they have an opportunity, they're just going to step up and shoot. I just wish there was something that could be done about that guy on the decor that seems to be dragging everybody's numbers down, but there just has been no inclination of any sort of roster move to be done with John Merrill. And it, I get it. Like Merrill, he's a, he's a good guy in the locker room, but at the same time, your production cannot only be taking penalties and going and sitting in the box and hoping that your team doesn't give up a power play goal while you're sitting in the penalty box. And so far this season, that's basically just, that's all it's been. Yeah, his game, you know, has kind of picked up where it left off last year. It's just, it's just confusing at some times. I mean, I'm not a National Hockey League player. I've never played at the speed that these guys have played at. The highest level I played was high school hockey. Um, had one tournament where I played with some guys who are now playing in the NHL, which is probably the fastest pace I ever played. And I was playing in the fourth line like five minutes a game in that. So I, I can't criticize decision making because I don't know what it's like in that time. But there are times where it seems like there's such an obvious play to make or such an obvious spot to be on the ice, and he's just not there. I remember there was a penalty kill where the Wild were playing a very basic box, right? You have two guys in the back, two guys at the point, and then, you know, so they're, the other team was hadn't moved to the umbrella yet, but John Merrill apparently thought that he had, as a puck kind of moves up to the wing, where a forward's already covering, John Merrill takes like four strides in to block a shot, and they go, oh, look, the front of the net is now wide open because John Merrill has vacated it. They pass it to that guy. I think it might have been Austin Matthews in the Toronto game, and that guy doesn't miss that, doesn't miss those. Like if, but if he stays there, that pass is taken away, right? It's just, you know, or you know, someone's battling for the puck behind the net. There's already defenseman is center down there. Merrill goes and chases front of the net becomes vacant. It's just little plays like that where you wonder, like, what are you, like, what's your thought process there? Like, just yeah. if you're a stay-at-home defenseman, be a stay-at-home defenseman. Um, and just like the constant Arnie util- utilization of his size, I think is frustrating too because that was seemingly the reason they kept him in all last year was, oh, we don't have enough size in our blue line. You know, we, we, we need, we need size and you know, Merrill seemingly just doesn't necessarily win puck battles. Isn't knocking guys off a of puck. So we don't see a lot of physical play from him. And I think the frustrating part about his penalties, it's a lot of kind of that, that that's the one step slower penalties, the hooks, the trips, the slashes, those types of things. And that's where it just really gets annoying. It's just like, Oh, not again. Um, but you know, I, I don't think it's a him problem. That's, you know, a seemingly the whole blue line problem outside of maybe three players. So half the blue line. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that I I look forward to seeing how it's addressed when Spurgeon comes back, because then we go to the point where there will be somebody that has to come out of the lineup. I mean, as we talked about Dakota Mermis, he's he's done fine in the situation that he's been put in, but he is certainly more of an AHL guy than an NHL guy. And so. I thought he's better than Marilyn Goligoski. He has just, absolutely. And, and, and it's those simple plays of just being in the right position, forcing guys up the board, not making the stupid, not leaving the front of the net vacated. Um, yeah, I think ultimately that just comes down to a money thing, right? I mean, unless they can get, you know, I don't, I don't maybe they they like it so much they throw one of those guys on waivers or 
you know, Galagoski's injury ends up being, you know, a lot longer than we think it will be. But yeah, I've been impressed. Like for knowing what Dakota Mermis is, I think he's looked fine. I think he's looked competent. Mm-hmm. Um, he's what I wish that Galagoski and Merrill would do sometimes. Um, and, and I want to throw it all on, on John Merrill too, because Alex Galagoski before his injury looked putrid. Yeah. Um, he was a guy I did beat the drum a little bit for at times the past two seasons, but man, to start this season, he looked horrendous. Um, just, I mean, him, there were times where him and Merrill on the ice together and it's like, Oh, this is just a complete yeah. liability. Hold on for dear life. Because if that puck gets close to the net, it's probably going in. So yeah. we'll see what happens, but, uh, appreciate you hopping on Brett. Make sure listeners, as I mentioned, to give Brett a follow on uh, X to get player cards after pretty much every game throughout the season, as well as uh, stat dumps and, uh, and everything else as well. And, um, Sound the foghorn going more to a, you know, semi-regular posting schedule. Uh, And so uh, keep an eye out for uh, potential return coming up, um, hopefully before too long uh, for Sound the Foghorn. Um, All that and more. Brett, uh, we thank you for the time here today. Anytime. Always happy to to talk wild. Sometimes it's hard to get me to shut up about him. Even when things are bad. Yeah. Even when things are bad, there's just a ton to talk about. So. Uh, listeners, that'll do it for today's episode. So make sure if you haven't already hit subscribe on YouTube, on your favorite podcast platforms. So you don't miss out on any of our content throughout the week. You can find new episodes every Monday through Friday as part of the locked on podcast network.